I started to have a lot of restrictions imposed on me and I noticed that I couldn't do normal things that other girls you know for example from different cultures or backgrounds you know were able to do and as a result of that I felt like I didn't really have much of a personality I didn't really know who I was and I wanted to change that. Well, hi, Diva. Thanks for making it today. Yeah, hi, no worries. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Good to see you. So uh, I'm very excited that you agreed to talk to me and you said you wanted to share your story. I really like these sorts of moments. These, I think these are my favorite sorts of episodes where I can just go through the lives of various people and pick a few things from their experiences. So if you don't mind, you can just start off by introducing yourself to everyone. Let us know um, who you are, what it is you do, what it is you like to share, and you know, just anything that we might find interesting about you. Yeah, sure. So my name is Adiba. I come from a small town near London in England. I'm 25 years old and professionally I work in higher education where I support students. Alongside my professional roles, I'm also a self-care and personal development blogger. So this is where I help people to embrace who they are, to pursue their passions and to live life. And vlogging has been great because it's given me the opportunity to inspire so many people, not only nationally, but also internationally as well. And I've also been able to have the experience of, you know, sharing my story, giving people tips and advice on how to really, you know, improve their lives and how to grow as people as well. So that's a lot of creative things that I currently do, but I'm also part of a women's network here in the UK. Okay. So this is where I'm currently campaigning for changes to close the income gap between men and well women in the UK and just make sure that women are really treated equally and they have opportunities to, you know, really develop themselves and improve the quality of their lives just like men as well. So I do a lot of campaigning and I work with the Young Women's Trust here in the UK to do that. And most recently as well, I've also become a member of a company called Be Your Own. So this is all about women empowerment and it's similar, but this really gives me another platform where I'm able to network professionally with loads of inspiration women in the UK and sort of collaborate with them, you know, on my blog and podcasts as well and just reach a bigger audience. So that's been something new and exciting. So yeah, that's a bit about myself. Okay, that's cool and that's a lot. I think we should start from your education you said you're working currently in higher education so how did you get to that point yeah sure so I have a degree in English language and I have a master's in English language teaching and applied linguistics and when I was at university I always loved being a student myself and I loved helping students and really making like a positive difference and I always knew at university that you know working in the student environment especially the university environment, is something that I could see myself doing. And it's kind of the only career that I could see myself, you know, being in and really excelling in. And then when I did my master's, my vision, you know, opened a lot more. And my passion and my motivation for helping students developed a lot more as well. And that's when, you know, I really decided that, okay, while it's fun working with students, you know, as a student myself, but, you know, I really want to take this professionally as well. So then when I did graduate almost, I think like three years ago now, 
um, you know, I was seeking a role in higher education and unfortunately I didn't get it straight away. You know, I did take on a lot of other jobs in further education and normal education, but mm-hmm. higher education is definitely where I wanted to sort of go and the type of students that I wanted to support. And then, you know, I got my position of where I was working with international students and, you know, made sure that they were settling into the UK. They were attending the classes. They had a lot of relevant information that was delivered to them on a weekly basis. So that was great. And, you know, unfortunately for the past year almost, you know, I have been trying to seek out another role in higher education, something that, you know, I'm able to, you know, really be in touch with the students a lot more and really, you know, give them everything that they basically need, not only through, you know, monitoring things that they engage with and making sure they're attending the classes, that kind of thing. I really want to, you know, have a bigger hand in that. Um, so unfortunately for the last 10 months or so, I have been applying and everything, um, but it's just been really, really hard to crack. It's a really mm-hmm. hard industry to crack, but fingers crossed I get something soon. Yeah, I, I wish you all the best. And as, you know, Concerning working in higher education, what's that like? You know, you said you like the you like working with students, you enjoy helping them, you know, stand on their own and all of that. But what's it like on a day-to-day basis? I mean, for me, I feel it gets crazy sometimes, but I want to hear from you. Yeah, so I think it ultimately depends on the role that you're doing in higher education. So the roles that, you know, I'm looking for and the role that I did previously you know, it was more one-on-one contact with students and it was really oh, yeah. supporting students on a professional level. And it's been great because the way I see it is like, you know, you're helping to make people feel comfortable. You're helping people to, you know, look forward to coming into university every day. And you don't know how much you can actually be impacting their lives in, you know, a positive way. So that's kind of what motivated me to sort of go into that industry. And that's what's motivated me to continue to actually see a role that you know I'm really really passionate about despite how hard and difficult it's been and I think you know ultimately doing a job that makes you happy and you know that fulfills your purpose of you know whatever that purpose may be it's just you know really inspirational so yeah it is hectic at times don't get me wrong but I think I just look at the bigger picture and I always remind myself that I'm here to change lives and inspire students and that's exactly what I'm going to do oh that's cool that's cool all right, so let's backtrack a bit and talk about you and your blog, what it is that you do. And if I were to, you know, look up Adiba and I wanted to find out, I wanted to learn something from you, what would be the key message that you'd be sharing with me that you think every single person who comes in contact with you should know? Yep, so I think the key message that I would be sharing with people is ultimately to just do what makes you happy. And I know that's really, you know, cliche at times and, you know, you hear everyone say it, but honestly, I don't think we value just how important it is because there's so many people out there that are, you know, are in jobs that they don't like and are just there, you know, for certain reasons like, you know, the financial side of things because it pays well or, you know, the students out there who are studying courses that they don't really want to do, but maybe because of, you know, family pressure and society pressure, you know, they're studying. And I just think, you know, you only get one life. So why not just do the things that make you happy and the things that bring you joy? Because you don't want to be, you know, later on in life, you know, maybe when you're, you know, in your 70s or 80s and you look back and you regret not doing more what is that made you happy. So I think that's just the number one thing 
an important point that I would love to get across to as many people as possible. Mm, okay, so this is a very interesting point because there's so many views on doing what makes you happy. For example, there are people who, based on the situation they're in right now, like you said, they're trying to make ends meet. They've got financial reasons for being where they are. And I know we always have a choice, but the alternative to maybe their current role is very... I mean, that path looks very bleak, especially as you grow older and you have family. You, like, you know, a father of four, for example, is not going to have the same ease as a single man in, you know, just pursuing whatever makes you happy. So I, I think at some point, people become very, very perplexed on what to choose. It's not, it's not always as easy as just doing whatever makes you happy. Oh, okay, maybe there's a trade-off somewhere how do you when you talk to people and i'm sure you've had you've seen various situations and you know people have always people always have different choices to make and how do you sort through that helping people um work through their choices maybe rank order their priorities or something like that and make the, the best decision do is just have an open and honest conversation with the people that i interact with I really find out where they currently are at in life because, you know, I totally agree with everything that you said, you know, some people, you know, have to enter, you know, a certain career or study a certain subject in order to, you know, put food on the table and, you know, have the, you know, give this, you know, kids and their family member the best life and that's completely okay. So I think in that situation, you know, that we would look at that, we would explore it a little bit. And I think from my point of view, I would try to be understand as understanding as possible and say, okay, you know, this is something that you've got to do clearly. Okay. And if this isn't giving you that much happiness right now, you know, that's completely okay. But maybe there are other things in your life that, you know, can bring you joy and bring you happiness. So for example, you know, whether that's coming home after a long day of work and spending time with your kids or, you know, going out to eat with your friends and, you know, even things like you know practicing your hobbies and stuff those are the type of things that can also bring you joy and happiness so why not spend time doing the, those things as well as you know doing a job or studying or anything like that and who's to say that you know for example the career that you're in right now you know will be the career that you'll be in forever because there's so many people that you know change careers and change jobs and sure. again do something that's purposeful and meaningful to them you know later on in life and that's completely okay so that is you know exactly how i would sort of go about and you know helping people to kind of understand what they want and, you know, just do more of the different things that make them happy alongside everything else. Well, that's interesting. So in essence, you're saying find the things around you that make you happy, even if you can't exactly um, choose to forsake everything you're doing now. Like you, you, you may have things that you don't really like, but maybe they're necessary for the time being. And you can also work towards changing your career in the future while focusing on the things around you that you know constitute a source of joy yep definitely okay cool you know when it comes to doing the things that makes you happy i think from when people are young maybe depending on the culture tradition and you know family values people tend to get into this loop of just doing what society expects you know, you should get this sort of job because it's the most profitable and maybe you should do this because it's the most logical thing to do. But at the end of the day, especially as you grow older, like if you talk to, you know, 70 year olds, 80 year olds, 
for a lot of them, they just tell you like, you just realize that no one really cares. All the all the things you did for the sake of others, all the things you did because you wanted to conform to certain rules and regulations, you realize when you're old that you could have just done whatever you wanted. And at the end of the day, maybe people will talk for a while, but you're going to achieve what you want and what you need in life. And people will forget about it eventually. So, so I, I think that's a, that's a very important message. Um, so yeah. how did your upbringing affect the message that you have right now? Because I guess you've probably experienced some of these things yourself and that's what led you to talk about it or, you know, decide that you want to share this message with people. Yeah. So I think starting off from my childhood, I was naturally a very shy and introverted kid. I had a very limited amount of friends and, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you sometimes don't get where your parents are coming from or, you know, yeah, because you're in your own little bubble. And that's how I was like as a kid and didn't really talk to anyone. Um, but then I remember, you know, as I progressed through secondary school and, you know, college, I noticed that, you know, as a girl who comes from an Asian community in my small town, I started to have a lot of restrictions imposed on me. And I noticed that I couldn't do normal things that other girls, you know, for example, from different cultures or backgrounds, you know, were able to do. And as a result of that, I felt like I didn't really have much of a personality. I didn't really know who I was. And I wanted to change that. So then after finishing my A-levels at college, I had the opportunity to actually live away from home at university. And, you know, convincing, you know, my parents was difficult. But I really stood by my word and what I believed in. And they allowed me to actually go. So I went to university and I first three, four years ever because because that's really able to come out of my shell. I was able to explore new things, visit new places, you know, meet so many different people. And I learned so much about myself and I learned so much about the things that I liked and disliked that I was just so grateful that I was able to, you know, have this amazing opportunity of, you know, living away from home and, you know, studying for a degree. Uh -huh. And then this only developed when I went to pursue my master's as well. And I wanted to grow even further and be more happy by doing my master's in a different um, city and getting a different exposure and a different experience. And that's exactly what I did. And while, you know, doing the master's degree was very academically challenging, I also, you know, in that year, learned more about myself, learned more about different people, learned more about a different city as well. And then, so it was great. So, you know, university was like the high point of my life. And then ultimately, you know, good things come to an end. So I moved back to my hometown and it's been about three and a half years. And slowly, you know, the restrictions started to come in place. The limitations started to come in place and all this freedom that I had and these opportunities for growth slowly started to slip away from me. And I just didn't like that at all. And that's when I decided that, you know what, like I want to share my experiences of, you know, studying away from home and all the great things that I got to experience with other people. Then I really want other people to, you know, go out and have this experience and ultimately to continue to break barriers which is something that I'm still doing now. And that's what led to my blog. And that's what led to me, you know, spreading this message and really helping people to live more meaningful, fulfilling lives and ultimately do what makes them happy. Because don't get me wrong, I still live with my parents and it is still challenging at times. But this is something that I'm still currently working towards and it's still something that I'm still currently trying to progress in. 
So, you know, sometimes I have to say no. Sometimes I have to put myself and I have to continue, you know, doing things that I want to do. Because like you said in the beginning, you know, I think, you know, when you're younger, it's so much easier to do these things. And I don't want to reach an age where I'm like, you know what, why did I confirm, confirm, sorry, why did I, you know, continue to listen to what, you know, people expected of me, what society and the culture told me to do when I could have actually just, you know, pushed those boundaries in a respectful way, did more of what made me happy. I, you know, just be more grateful, more thankful and have no regrets. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. I, I understand where you're coming from in terms of culture because um, where you ethnically, your your parents are, I think you said Pakistani? Yes, so we are from the Kashmir side in Pakistan. Uh, okay, yeah. So so that makes a lot of sense and I, I understand that the culture is sort of, it's, it's similar to, uh, I would say, general Nigerian culture. I mean, Nigeria has so many cultures intertwined in it, but I would say, you know, the general Nigerian culture is, it's similar in terms of when you, you're growing up, the level of control that parents have over you. Of course, there are lots of advantages, you know, but like you said, the major disadvantage I would say can stem off in the area of socialization. Well, even, I, mean, I think even within the culture, not all parents are like that. But I get what you're saying because I kind of have a similar background. So growing up, um, I think I had very little levels of socialization. And I was fortunate when I was about to start university to head off to a different country. So I had room, like enough space to explore. Well, the, the good thing is, you know, my, my parents brought me up really well, well enough to be fully confident that I would be able to take good care of myself. So, so that was nice. At least they had trust for me, trust in me. And that was good. Um, but for you, when you went to university, how did you how did you feel when you initially stepped into that environment? You know, meeting people who were probably way more exposed to the world than you. How did you deal with that? Yeah, so I think initially I was very taken back. I was just thinking to myself that no way, like, you know, this is, you know, how people like you know live and I was so inspired by like their experiences and you know at one point I was a little jealous that you know they had all of these great experiences like you know they got to travel and do all of those things and I hadn't but I think you know it was such a learning curve for me because I was able to learn more from them and that's what motivated me and inspired me to you know keep doing more of the things that I was excited about and to continue to learn and develop at university because I think Ultimately, I always knew and I always told my friends that, you know, when I graduate, I am going to, you know, move back to my parents' town. I'm going to move back to this hometown where there's a lack of opportunity. So therefore, I really want to make the most out of the university and do everything I can. And I think I genuinely did. Um, but I think what's also a bit sad about that story is that it shouldn't have to be that way. You know, I shouldn't have to feel like, okay, you know, I can have the best four years of my life at university <laughs> and then, you know, not that, that continue afterwards. Um, so, you know, this is, these are conversations that I'm still having, you know, with my family, with other people and things. And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, having a blog and having great conversations with people like yourself really gives that motivation to continue doing what I'm doing. Okay, so if you could talk to a younger Adiba, would you have told her to do anything differently? So let's say before you went to university, when you were still at home, how would you have made, would you have made any 
you know, different decisions? Would you have made better effort towards socialization? What would you have done differently? Yeah, so I think what I would have done differently is probably not be so hard on myself. I think I was very hard on myself as a kid and, you know, in my early teens because I didn't have that exposure. I know a lot of insecurities and I think I would have, you know, said to myself that, you know what, you will get opportunities where you will be happy and you will be able to, you know, inspire so many people and, you know, make, you know, amazing friends and and make amazing memories and it will all get better. Um, I just wish that was something that I told myself a lot more about. But I think ultimately, you know, things happen for a reason. And I think, you know, the experiences that I had, you know, as a child, I, you know, all those insecurities was something that was only temporary, but it enabled me to really work on myself and, you know, can't really become the best version of myself. So I think I'm thankful for everything, you know, that I've gone through. So, yeah. All right. So um, about socialization, let's talk a little bit more about that i mean socialization in general not not specifically in your case of kids and i think i've had i've talked about this a few times on other on other podcasts the importance for growing kids i think some parents sort of underestimate what socialization does for kids so this is this is my opinion on it and you can tell me what you think i think when a child is growing up when you get to play with your peers it's like you're kind of understanding the hierarchy in society. So I don't think, like, you know, the people who you see are socialized and outgoing. It's not that they are completely not, you know, they're completely free or not bound by any norms, but it's just like they're bound by a different set of norms. So so for people who are poorly socialized, it's like you have a hierarchy that you establish in your mind. These These are those who are sort of, on top and these are those who are it's it's not like okay you look at people as you know some people as better than others but let's say you relate with your siblings you kind of know okay he's stronger than me and you know i'm the weaker one in the flock you know okay this person is super smart and maybe this person is good at this but not super good in this area so you have like a framework of that forms your perspective on life so when you have a wider circle it's like you have you have a wider region to explore and say, okay, this is what I can do in this area and this is what I can do in that area. Oh, that person does that. This person does this. You understand how to relate with your peers to get things. Like, what are the rules that you have to play by in life, in society, for people to want to talk with you? So when you're kind of close, maybe with your siblings and a few friends, there are rules that you are prayed by. Like, it was like that for me growing up. So um, maybe... We're very sarcastic. If I'm having conversations with my siblings, we're very sarcastic. We say mean words to each other, but we're joking. And I got used to that. And then you step out in the real world and you have to be super duper nice. <laughs> because it's like you're being sarcastic and it's like, this is my show of friendship. I'm being sarcastic and I expect you to laugh back. But, you know, it's like, no, this is not funny. <laughs> and so navigating that was sort of difficult for me. And I see the it's the same case with a lot of people because... The smaller your circle, the more specific the language with which you communicate. The wider your circle, the the more flexible you are in understanding the different forms of communication and the way people perceive things. So that's that's my take on socialization. And I think sometimes parents don't get this. It's not like it's not like they don't mean well. Maybe they're trying to protect the child from a lot of things, but at some point you need to let the child off to go explore 
to understand the world around them and how to interface with that world. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, with parents, you know, we understand that they can be protective and all that kind of thing. But I think ultimately when your child reaches a certain age, I think you have to give them the opportunity to, you know, go out, have these experiences, make mistakes, learn from their mistakes and ultimately help them on their journey with finding out who they are. Because, you know, when you sort of limit them, you know, unfortunately they don't have, you know, as many opportunities to grow and learn more about themselves. And they will constantly sort of, you know, just be in that environment and that mentality and those norms that have been instilled from them and they won't have leeway. And it's like what you were saying about having a wider network as well. When you have a wider network, you're able to, you know, not only learn more from each other as well, and, you know, have more room for flexibility, but you're able to really, you know, grow and, you know, ultimately just, you know, form new relationships and really, you know, let more, you know, people into your lives that, you know, you resonate with because you've got that exposure. And then through that, you're able to learn more about the world. And, you know, you're able to ultimately grow more as a person as well. So I think that's something that's really important. And I think that's something that parents, you know, sort of really need to understand and that ultimately leads to you know the communication that you have with your children and how your relationship is like is like with them because you know even my friends who come from the same ethnic background as me we've all pretty much have had the same experience uh you know that has sort of led to you know resentment you know at times from you know our sides towards our parents because it's like they didn't give us those opportunities um as much as we wanted and you know we started questioning things so I think parents should never let it get to the stage where your children start resenting you you just have to have that trust with your children and you have to have that communication and believe that whatever they do you know will be completely okay and they will turn out fine yeah uh, and I think when kids are growing up of course you you know you when you're growing up your parents are like heaven and earth to you <laughs> they are technically your world but I suppose kids should be able to have these conversations um, about how how much freedom they want to have, and and I, I guess depending on the, the culture, it it become it might be easy to have that conversation with your parents or difficult. So for some people, it's like you know they can't have an open conversation with their parents, and that that poses a challenge. So it's just like do as you're told and don't question anything. While for some other people, that conversation is open and that usually um, leads to a more stable, the formation of a more stable individual. I think another place to, another point to highlight is, you know, the flexibility people have to make mistakes when growing up. So in more, in more conservative cultures, it's like making a mistake is just, it's like, it's seen as such a disappointment. You know, you, you bear responsibility for both yourself and your family. And so you don't want to make a mistake because that could lead to disappointment and, you know, ruin the reputation of your family and all of that. But I think children should really, they should be taught uh, a level of responsibility, but they should be given leeway to make those mistakes because I observe the difference between individuals who grew up with that freedom and those who grew up taught that they have to be perfect at everything if you observe maybe in 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 high school you see there are those who are always at the top of the class they've never failed a subject they've never failed a subject now th the funny thing is those people are not necessarily the ones who will do 
best in life. In fact, they are rarely ever the ones who will do best in life. It's usually the ones who are like C, B, you know, an occasional A. Those students will probably do better. Why? Because they failed so many times that they've lost the fear of failure. So when they get into the real world, they're able to, you know, fail and think, yeah, well, I mean, it's like it's equivalent to a C, you know, or, or a D. And so whatever, I'll try again. And it's not the end of the world. When an A student gets into the world, that can, like someone who's never, ever failed at anything ever gets into the real world. It's like, it's like a real punch in the face to them because you thought, well, I mean, you thought everything would work out fine for you, but now it's like you're playing by totally different rules and things aren't working the way you thought they would. And you're suddenly taking a bath because when you go from high school to university to the to maybe the wor workforce and maybe even to marriage having kids each sphere you find yourself in has its own specific set of rules and navigating that is always difficult in the beginning but if you grow up never being never given space to make mistakes you always get everything perfect at some point you take life itself like high school you know like okay i have to ace everything and when you fail you feel like you're a total failure in life and it's not really like that and i think that's one of the challenges that that comes from not just um, upbringing but also the school system you know you know the hierarchy in school is like the a students are like up there well i guess it depends on the on the school but at least in the school i went to the a students are like up there in the social hierarchy and you know the the those who don't who you know the the def students are like down there so I think that should, it shouldn't be so. People should be given that freedom at home to also explore and fail. I mean, not to, ex they shouldn't learn to like failure, but they should at least learn to know that failure is not the end of the world and it's a stepping stone to learning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's so true because as someone who has failed repeatedly over the years, um, you know, we're trying to accomplish things and, you know, I faced a lot of rejections. Like, for example, the last year, 2022, was probably the most difficult year of my life because I dealt with a lot of rejections, a lot of failure, and, you know, every single day. And even now, you know, I'm giving it up my 110%. But it's just like, because, you know, even prior to, you know, 2022, I, was, I dealt with a lot of rejections and failures and a lot of ups and downs as well, that I have sort of become immune to that. So now it's just like, you know, like you were saying, like if I was to, you know, deal with another failure or deal with another rejection, you know, because I'm certainly into it, it's, you know, like second nature and I'm able to be sort of, you know, come back, you know, a lot stronger ultimately and just brush it off and be like, you know what, this has happened to me so many times, but you know, it's fine. Like, you know, I can deal with it. And, you know, like you said as well, because I've seen people, you know, even in my family, you know, haven't had to work as hard, haven't had to deal with a lot of failures and have had opportunities and things given to them, you know, straight away. And, you know, when I look at them and I look at their, you know, what their personalities have evolved to, you know, not in a bad way, but it's just sort of like they haven't really appreciated the things that are around them and haven't really appreciated the opportunities that they've been given and they've sort of given them more of a ego more when you know an attitude and stuff which isn't right so i think you know i admire people like myself who have been through a lot of failures and everything because we know how hard it is to get you know opportunities to get simple things that you know other people have 
we've worked so hard but ultimately that's a blessing because that's made us into stronger people and it's made us more resilient and it's made us appreciate the finer things in life so i think you know being in this position i wouldn't trade it for anything and i think mm. the people that are out there dealing with a lot of failures and stuff just realize that their efforts won't go to waste and eventually they will get the things that they want wow yeah that's i think that's a good mindset failures actually help you grow and uh, it's it's a good thing because if you if you always have everything handed to you you just don't get the opportunity to become a better person like to develop character to develop resilience these are important things that you need in life so I, and I'm learning that with each passing day. It's it's a it's a good thing to have those moments where things don't always work out because then you learn patience, you learn you just learn how to be a stable individual in the face of challenges. Right. So yeah, definitely. So so back back to you and um, what do you do to improve yourself as an individual? So you've come you've you've had a lot of challenges. You've you've had a lot of failures and but you've you sort of that has sort of made you stronger so how do you improve yourself in in the face of challenges or just generally in life what are those things you do that you would advise people to do maybe it's a it's a routine it's a daily habit or something you just do from time to time that has helped you would you like to share that yeah sure so what has helped me um especially deal with your know, hardships and challenges and things it's just making sure that every single day when I wake up, I am working towards achieving those things. I'm working towards achieving those goals because I have noticed in the past that when I sort of give up easily and I have this negative mindset and say to myself, oh, I'm never going to be able to achieve that or whatever, that only makes me feel so much more worse. Whereas, you know, every single day where, you know, I'm waking up early, for example, you know, I wake up at 6.30 a.m., um, my family think I'm crazy because it's pitch black outside but no it's like I wake up super early for myself because I want to continue to push forward and continue to make progress towards the goals that I want to achieve and I think once you're doing that and once you have that positive mentality that's when you feel so much more better about the situation that you're in because you know ultimately the only thing that we can do is try and yeah. when you're trying you know that's the best thing that you can do for yourself and that's you know what will give you the motivation to carry on you know working towards everything so i feel like you know just doing things every single day taking small steps towards your goals you know that is something that will enable you to think more positively and make you feel so much more about your situation that's great that's great so where can people find you? Of course, I'm gonna I'm gonna include the links to your socials and all of that in in the description. But is there anything you want to highlight about what people should do to find you and you know, um, any of any of your particular platforms you would want to place emphasis on? Yeah, sure. So you guys can connect with me by following me on Instagram. Um, that's where I'm active, especially on Instagram stories quite a bit. So Instagram is a great way to connect with me. I also have my own Facebook page as well, which, you know, I tend to go on as much as I possibly can. So yeah, I would say those are the two platforms that, you know, you can find me and you can engage with me and, you know, just get to know me a lot more and hopefully I can help some of you out on there as well. Okay, cool. 
great. I, I just wanted to get that out of the way, so I don't forget. Um, I've got, I've got, I think, one more question for you. Maybe this is going to be the second to the last one. I don't know. Let's, let's talk a little bit about your experience with women empowerment, right? You said you're, you're, you're a member of two clubs, if I remember correctly. What has that been like and what is it exactly that you do? Yeah, sure. So the first trust that I'm part of is called Young Women's Trust here in the UK. And I'm basically part of an amazing group of women who are basically here to tackle inequality and, you know, just ultimately make sure that women are given the same opportunities as men. So currently we're working on a campaign to, like I mentioned previously, to close the income gap between young women um, and young men. Because what we have found in the UK specifically is that young men you know, who are in the same professions and in the same jobs as women are paid significantly higher than women. And, you know, as a result of this, women can't, you know, afford childcare. They can't afford basic necessities. They can't have more experiences because of that. So this is currently that we're, this is something that we're currently campaigning on and we're working on um, through our voices and through social media in order to get the government in the UK to actually, you know, work on this. And, you know, to just help women ultimately live better quality lives. So that's the current work that I'm doing with Young Women's Trust. And the other club, which I have recently become a member of, is basically called Be Your Own. And it's founded by a woman who basically was featured in 30 under, I think it's called 30 under 30. I can't remember. Oh, it's 30 under 30. But yes. So she's featured in that and she basically decided to be actually set up her own company where she's able to actually give women the opportunities to actually network with each other, collaborate and share what they've learned, you know, on their journey through their career paths and in their personal lives right now. So it's very new. I'm very excited because next week I'm delivering my first keynote speech, um, you know, about the difficulties that, you know, women specifically women from South Asian communities like myself are currently facing in the UK on what they can basically do to sort of, you know, break barriers and ultimately live a more fulfilling, rewarding life. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing at the moment. And I'm super excited to find out where both these things take me in my journey. That's great. Um, I know, well, we're not, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to be there to hear your keynote. So would you mind sharing in advance, like one or two of those difficulties that you, south asian women face in the uk yeah sure so one of the difficulties that south asian women in the uk face is lack of opportunities so you know for example not having the opportunity you know maybe moving out to university not having the opportunity to enter a career that they really want to go into because of what the culture you know deems as the right career um or the right university to go to that's their family um, culture yeah, family culture, but also, you know, the ethnic culture as well, basically. And another difficulty that South Asian women face, so for example, when they are in their mid-20s, which I am currently at, um, is facing a lot of pressure with things like marriage and sort of having your life together by a certain age. And, you know, it's something that I'm currently very passionate about because it's what I'm dealing with at the moment. But I think, you know, it's something that has become a lot toxic and has put a lot of restrictions and you know, put a lot of women into negative mindsets because they feel like in order to, you know, sort of 
make the most out of life and you know achieve life is actually to get married because without getting married you know life is worth you know nothing and it's not worth living and that's currently something that a lot of my friends are dealing with and a lot of the women that I've spoken to in the mid-20s who are dealing with as well it's really difficult so that's another challenge that a lot of South Asian women in particular in the UK are currently dealing with Mm. yeah I can imagine okay those those are important points I hope I hope the keynote goes great (laughs) thank you I'm so excited about it (laughs) um one more thing uh it just occurred to me that when I was when I moved away from home I had a lot of help from friends and men mentors and senior colleagues and just discovering myself my personality so I'd like to hear a little bit about the people who helped define you, whether they're, you know, older people or your peers or younger people, whoever. Sure. So I think the people that I've had a very big impact on my life positively have got to be my friends. Because without my friends, um, specifically the friends who I had met at university, I wouldn't be who I am and I wouldn't be able to basically do um, what I love every day because they really pushed me and encouraged me and they really you know encouraged me to believe in myself especially with you know things that I've gone through things that I'm currently going through as well they are always there they're always there to support me and really give me that motivation that I need and I owe so much to them because I feel like had I not had supportive friends I wouldn't have had the motivation to you know be on podcasts like this and you know run my blog and you know continue to you know inspire people from around the world so those are definitely the people in my life that have defined me okay that's great so i think we've we've gone um we've gone for some time now and that's pretty uh sufficient but if you have any questions you would like to ask me or any other thing you think we should talk about i'm open yeah so I think I want to ask you a question. Uh, sure. So, <laughs> so I think, you know, ever since you started doing podcasts and stuff, what would you say has been the most memorable thing that has happened to you in the journey of this? Uh, <laughs> or your favorite movement? Wait, podcast or podcast and stuff? Because <laughs> there is the podcast and then there's stuff. Okay, that stuff is included as well. Uh, okay. So let's say podcast, music, and my blog. Well, for music, I would, I would say when you put content out there, you just really don't know what to expect. You never really know what the feedback is going to be from people, whether positive or negative, but being as you can estimate on your own. Like I can sit and think, uh, okay, I like this podcast I had with Adiba and I think this and this and this is what people are going to get from it. Or I like this song I wrote and this and this is what people are going to get from it. But once you put content out there, it flies on its own. Like it has a voice of its own and people interpret things differently. So your estimation of what people are going to get, of course it has to be correct to some percent. You have to know what value it is you're giving. But you you might very often even underestimate just how much people need to hear what you're saying or what you're singing 
So that was one thing I realized with my music. And sometimes people are like, wow, I, I, I can't believe you wrote this. And well, of course, there's a lot of room for improvement. And I like the feedback I get that says, okay, you could step this up, you could step that up. But I would say things that impact me the most. It's just when I hear someone say, okay, this really, this really helped me in this aspect, in this aspect. And I understood this this way. And I'm thinking, okay, I never expected that. The same thing with, with the podcast, right? And I hear someone say, well, I really, really needed to hear that. Sometimes I'm thinking, okay, this was a nice conversation, but you know, it was just all right. But someone says, oh my gosh, I really, really needed to hear this. Or another impactful thing is the kind of people I get to speak with. So, you know, you're on, well, it's not the other side of the world because it's the UK. <laughs> the UK is like, you know, above Nigeria. <laughs> but you're like, at because I'm currently in Nigeria right now and you're, at a, you're at a different you're in a different country and on a different continent but we can have this conversation and we can relate to each other's lives you know you, you're talking about these things and for a lot of the things you've said I can really understand them on the personal level that's interesting and your experience also feeds into my view of life so that's one of the reasons why I have this this podcast it's not just to um talk because at first I thought I'll be doing a lot of the talking, like, you know, all the episodes would be just me talking. But when I started having conversations with people, uh, I realized it's really nice to just sit and listen to people's experiences and learn from them. And I think that's what I'm going to, that's one of the best things I'm going to get in the long run, because I'm going to talk with people from all walks of life with, you know, just vastly different experiences. And I'm going to get a very complete worldview as time as time goes on. So yeah, I would say that's been the most impactful thing so far or things. Those have been the most impactful things. Yeah, that sounds amazing, honestly. And I think it's great that you're able to have these conversations with so many people from around the world because, you know, you're able to form new friendships, new relationships, and you're able to really learn more about them. And like you said as well, you don't know the positive impact that you're having on some of these people's lives. So I think that's really touching and I really admire that the work that you do as well. Well, thank you. I would say the same for you. And um, I th I think I, I read what you put out and it's really, it's really inspiring, you know, because you, you don't know in the long run who might need to hear what you're saying. So just keep it up, keep doing it. And I wish you all the best. Thanks so much. Is there anything you'd like to say to those listening before we sign off? Yes. So the final message that I would like to say is make sure that you believe in yourself and you give everything that you want to achieve 110% mm. because there's so much that you can do in life. There's so much that you can accomplish and succeed in. All you need to do is believe in yourself, have a positive mindset and go out and do it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Adiba. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me as well. All right, to those listening, thank you for making it this far. You're amazing. So uh, I hope you continue and listen to the next podcast. And, you know, just if you'd like to reach out to me, you can, you can see my content, my contact details in the description below. Just reach out. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Leave a comment. Um, let us know what you'd like to hear about in the future. And till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a wonderful day. Bye.